Ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon. If you don't mind, um, I'm, going to, I'm going to start. My name is Stuart McAlpine from Clyde, London. Um, apologies for being unable to introduce myself in the splendid Greek that Stephen Drury used, but, uh, for, so forgive the English. Um, I'd like to introduce um, my panel on um, new and alternative sources of finance for ship owners, which I think is an interesting topic um, as we um, head into, into 2018 and probably, probably beyond. Um, so I have here on my left, um, Iraklis Sirigotis, Head of Shipping Amsterdam Trade Bank, um, then Omer Don Donestein, Senior Vice President of N-Trust Permial, um, Marcus Venker, Head of Ship Finance, Hellenic Bank, uh, Nick Roos, Managing Director of Maritime Asset Partners, and last but not least, Mr. Axel Siepman, Managing Director of Bremar Navis Corporate Finance. So um, you will see that we have two, um, two banks here, quite new banks to the industry, um, who will talk a little bit about the way they see things and um, their approach to uh, business um, at this point in time. We have two non-bank inst institutions represented by Nick and, um, and Omar. And then, again, last but not least, um, we have a, a corporate finance advisory boutique represented by Axel. So I'm, I'm hoping that, um, you know, we'll get a broad range of perspectives. The, the bank panel, I thought, was very good, very interesting. The bottom line is, though, that the, tra the tra traditional banks who finance this industry over the course of the last 20, 30, 40 years have pulled back big time. These, these banks here, I know, are all, um, well, all who were here, um, are all active um, uh, to, 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 to some degree, actually. But the, the fact is that the industry has seen capital disappearing from its traditional providers. And the question is, how is that going to be addressed? And I think some of the guys on this, um, on this panel um, hopefully can help us uh, answer that question. So I'd, li I'd like to start, actually. Um, I'd like to move away from the banks. And I'd like to start with the non-bank institutions here. And Nick, why don't, you, um, why don't you kick us off and tell us something about you know, how you see the opportunities for your organization and how you see um, you know, the alternative um, um, finance world at this, uh, at this juncture. Hi. Um, yeah, so though the, the, uh, the universe for uh, ourselves as non-bank lenders in this market really is there to, to fill some of the funding gap. We've talked about this funding gap now for um, coming up for eight, nine years, um, it, uh, it remains very real. Um, we've heard from the, the, the bank panelists a moment ago <clears throat> about the regulatory pressures and the effects that that's having on their risk appetite in the market. Um, and uh, e even though we are seeing a number of those traditional players um, slowly but surely coming back with liquidity into the market, they are coming in at lower um, attachment points, lower LTVs, um, they're more risk averse, um, and the volumes of transactions that they're looking at in terms of um, single counterparty limits is certainly lower than it was in the previous cycle. Um, equity, on the other hand, of course, uh, is uh, in, in very precious supply right now. Um, those owners who've weathered the last uh, eight, nine years have invested very strongly in supporting their businesses and perhaps there isn't the amount of dry powder that there has been in, uh, in previous cycles. Um, and we're there to sit um, as a, what's been described as alternative or complementary, or I don't really care what it is, 
um, uh, we're there to sit in is that intermediate layer of capital um, uh, sitting uh, above the senior lenders but with um, operator owner sponsor equity ahead of us um, and uh, so in that respect I see our role there as uh, as leveraging equity into this uh, into this new cycle um, so that we can um, uh, so that we can help to develop those markets uh, thank you, thank you, Nick. Um, and I think that what's interesting about what you said is the fact that you know you see yourselves cooperating with, with the with the banks. And I think everybody recognises that um, uh, you know the bank the bank finance um, uh, has been critically important for the industry and, and and will remain so. I'd like to just before I come to Omar, just maybe ask ask you, Heraclis, um, uh, and then and then um, also Marcus, just to say a few words from your institution's perspective your relative, um, relative new newcomers to the industry. So how do you see it and where do you see the opportunities and indeed the need to today? Indeed, Stuart, we are you know, fairly new players in the market. We started about one and a half years ago. Basically, we saw a great opportunity for us to step in as a, as a new organization. Of course, the bank has existed for more than 20 years already. Uh, but basically, we saw a window there basically become very relevant to very nice, very basically, partners of us. Uh, the, the need uh, for capital is across all the segments in the shipping industry. Um, as you mentioned, you know, the, the previous uh, speakers uh, already expressed, uh, you know, their view on you know, how things are progressing. The need, I think, is going to only get deeper and, and bigger, actually. Um, uh, yes, we are a newcomer to shipping finance, but basically we remain, you know, a small bank, and basically we try to become and be as much relevant as we can for our partners. One of the things that, of course, we, we try to do is basically employ every single penny that we have in our disposal very carefully and do it basically with partners that we feel, you know, very comfortable and we share the same view and the same opinion projects. Um, now, of course, you know, the, the view for, for this year is to, our view at least, is to do more business in this market and, uh, and as I said, expand our presence also in Greece, but not only international as well. Great. Can you, can you say something about, you know, deal parameters, something about the, 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 you know, the type of owner that you're looking to finance and, you know, something to give, um, um, you know, the audience here a, a sort of a, a sense of what, uh, you know, what, what you're mainly looking to, uh, to offer? Uh, absolutely. Um, there are two things which are very critical to us. Uh, the first one, which is something that's not going to be really new to the people uh, that are here in this room is where we are on, on the cycle, because we try to take a very much counter-cyclic approach, as we hope and believe that most of our partners would like to do. Uh, so therefore, that's number one for us. Um, to give you an example in that respect, we expanded uh, the drag back exposure significantly last year. Uh, we did that selectively and strategically, and it wasn't easy. I have to say that I still remember when we approached our credit committee showing cash flows that were at OPEX, if not below OPEX, and still had to convince them on why on earth we should do that. Mm -hmm. But we were there, we did that. Um, our portfolio is about, or significantly uh, exposed to dry and we feel very comfortable. And, and also another point, maybe it's a good bridge to, to my fellow speakers is also the, the, you know, the, the cost of capital that came along with that uh, and the cost of capital uh, about. Um, but basically we were there to support new acquisition, new investments uh, at the right, what we think it was the right point in the time. Um, and the second parameter, which is key next to where we are along the cycle, is of course the partners uh, that are you know, next to us basically. The track record, the, the experience they have, the, of course how overall their investments have, have been done uh, along the cycles as well. 
because we need to share basically the same view. Uh, these are, I guess, for ATB at least, the fundamental parameters of, of doing that. Terrific. Terrific. No, thank you very much. And um, Marcus, can I bring, bring you in now? Um, Hellenic Bank, based in Cyprus, um, started for business, I think, in, in shipping finance anyway, about a year and a half ago, something like that. Yeah. So give us your perspective on, on, the, on things um, today. Yeah, I think um, uh, a colleague from ATV said we are a new, new bank in, in this business of ship lending. We are not new to the shipping per se. We have been active there in transaction banking for many years. Um, but yeah, this is a new product to the bank. It's uh, and today's in heavily regulated banking environment. It's uh, not an easy task to set up um, a ship finance desk because uh, shipping is not the flavor of the decade, probably for the regulators. And this is, uh, we had it in the previous panel discussion, this is a problem um, for ship owners ultimately because um, to a large part the, the, the financing that's available from the international banks is not fit for purpose anymore, it's fit for regulation. So for instance, when you look at the of corporate structures that are required nowadays, the strong balance sheet, are in the end just a combination of various projects because in the end most of ship finance or shipping activities are project activities and project finance. So um, we are trying to break that um, by, by finding our um, target audience in smaller to medium sites to not necessarily have um, those big uh, balance sheets and corporate structures in place and try to find um, other sorts of comfort. Um, yeah. Excellent. Okay, that's, that's helpful. Thank you. Um, Omar, I'd like to come to you now, if I, if I may, a, a non-bank non panel participant. Um, and you're at N-Trust um, Permal, based in New York City, mm -hmm. uh, working with my old friend, Mr. Eng. Um, it'd be interested, interesting, I think, for me and for hopefully um, others here to hear a little bit about your organization and what you're looking to do. and. Um, you know, where you see things going. Sure, so we, uh, first of all, thanks everyone. Uh, we launched um, the Blue Ocean Fund, as we call it, as a direct lending platform. 100% uh, focus on the shipping industry. Um, really, as Nick mentioned, to, to, to provide uh, financing uh, to companies that are not able to, to tap the, the bank financing because of regulation, because banks have been pulling out of the space. Um, we have very broad investment mandate, so you know, we can do and we have been doing anything from uh, senior secured loans uh, to um, all the way up to structured uh, equity or, or, or um, preferred equity and everything in between. We have uh, one self-imposed limitation is that we don't want to have, uh, we don't want to be in the common equity. We leave this to the, to the people here in the room, the ship owners, uh, and happy to talk about you know, why, why, why we don't want to do that. Um, we're indeed a new platform, but we're not new to shipping. We have more than 60 years of combined shipping history uh, within the team, and I think we're, we're probably the only uh, shipping team sitting in a large uh, fund um, out there that really has you know, the benefit of the, all the infrastructure that a 20 billion uh, asset manager has to offer. Um, I think you know, the, the deals that we've done so far and just, uh, you know, to date, we've deployed over 250 million in, uh, in multiple transactions. Uh, all those deals were deals that banks could not conclude for, you know, for multiple reasons. Either the timing, there was a timing crunch, um, and the deal had to be uh, finalized in a short period of time. Um, the structure didn't work. Maybe the leverage was too high uh, for the banks. A and also regulation. You know, banks are not able to lend, most banks 
are not able to lend uh, in a kind of cyclical manner. Uh, and for us, you know, obviously that's the right way to do that because that, in that way, you, ha you know, we, we have less downside risk. Iraklis yeah. mentioned um, um, about the dry bulk sector. Any particular focus for you in terms of sectors in the, in the industry? Omar? Sure. No, so we, we are, you know, we're completely agnostic. We always say there is no good or bad sector. There are good or bad deals. And, and we know we follow this principle. In terms of companies, uh, you know, I think this is the first time that we're sitting here uh, since we launched the fund a year and a half ago that we're sitting here in a panel. And, and I think that shows something how, you know, of the importance that the Greek market is to us. Um, I think when we started, we felt that many of our clients are going to be you know, are going to be small, and, and that hasn't been the case. We've, you know, we've worked with both small and large companies uh, that are willing to, to think outside of the box and are looking to be more, um, you know, creative and when they think about the, the capital needs. Um, and, you know, I think it's needless to say that for us, we're, you know, we're looking at, at quality, ship, quality management, quality ship owners, um, management teams that have been able to that are experienced and have been able to navigate through multiple cycles. That's it's really important for us. Okay, thank you. Um, Axel, you've been very patient. Thank you. Thank you for that. I'm going to come to you now, a founding partner of um, Navis Corporate Finance and now a managing director at Braemar Navis Corporate Finance. Um, so uh, we've been talking um, uh, the, during, during the, the, the last uh, few minutes about you know, how the finance um, world is changing in shipping. And maybe you could just give us a, you know, give us your perspective on that and, and tell us how you see things and how Braemar Navis sees things at this, uh, at this time. I think what clearly everybody in this room has experienced is that um, financing got a lot more complicated. Um, and uh, the market is by far more intransparent than it was with more players. And uh, you know, if you and very different financing parameters. So, for me, the biggest conclusion is, um, you know, if as a ship owner you uh, want to go for financing, you need to come to, to a fair judgment on, you know, what do you represent, what do you look like, and then basically get very focused to those sources of financing that um, fit uh, to your case. Uh, arguably, you know, there's. There's still traditional lenders around, but um, I'd say they focus on certain um, uh, core clients. There's at least the tendency to that. Um, uh, but there's also banks that are still willing to finance uh, medium-sized uh, uh, companies. So at the end of the day, I would say there's much more risk-adjusted pricing to be observed. Um, and as to get the best possible financing, um, you know, um, you need to tap into the right sources with also the right structure, documentation, be much better prepared. Um, so I'm still optimistic. Um, they, you know, there's one good news to be spread is that in, if you look to other industries, corporate lending for traditional banks at the moment is an extremely low margin business. Um, and the shipping industry at the moment offers attractive margins. So I'm completely opposing the fact that, you know, financing is drying up for ship financing. It's just more, much more difficult to get it. That's, that's, that's helpful. Um, in, you know, in, in terms of, you know, um, and I'd like to stay with you for, a, for the moment if I, if I can, but in terms of the future, if you could project forward to the, you know, the, ne the next five, five, ten years or, or so, do you, do you see um, uh, in this... You know, this panel sort of fits in between bank finance and private equity. 
as you know, alternative um, sources of financing and shipping. You know, do you see a lot more entrants coming into this, into this particular space? Maybe doing what Nick was saying earlier, earlier on of, of you know, lending into a particular piece of the uh, capital structure um, behind, you know, behind the senior lenders but, ab but above the equity. Do you see that, uh, that trend as one that's going to develop and, and grow as we, as we move forward? And I'd like to stay with you, Axel, and maybe come to to a few others on that question too. Well, I've, I've just spent more than 10 days uh, traveling through Asia, talking to more than uh, 15 leasing companies and financial institutions. I find there's a very interesting development going on because um, whereas I would say historically, leasing companies were known to focus on new building financing, finance leases. There's more leasing companies now looking at operating leasing structures more. Uh, looking at uh, secondary financings, and, and there's also institutions in Asia uh, that obviously need to spend the excess dollars that they have and, and, and are considering to, to make shipping loans. So that, I would say, is a relatively new development, and we all need to carefully observe whether that con uh, trend will strengthen. It could definitely be um, an, a big new opportunity to close a funding gap that obviously at the moment exists between I would say traditional uh, European bank financing at still modest uh, margins and the alternative capital uh, sources that um, sometimes are quite pricey, but if, look, at the end of the day, risk-adjusted pricing. So I would say in the middle, at the moment, there is a gap that uh, uh, most you know, medium-sized owners, especially I think you know, for, for Greece, quite relevant family-owned businesses, um, that uh, you know, needs to be you know, targeted. and. Um, but, but I'm optimistic. Um, you know, markets have the tendencies of uh, being quite efficient and, and adjusting. So I would say as we, if 60% loan-to-value financing is judged by this audience as, as conservative, um, and, you know, and it's very hard to get uh, that financing at you know, what probably most people in this room would regard as a reasonable margin, let's be optimistic that some people that work in the business of providing financing think alike and work hard to close that financing gap. Thanks. And actually, one last question, because you reminded me about your trip to China, which, you, which you, you, you'd mentioned. Um, uh, there were some reports towards the end of last year that the leasing houses um, in the PRC were coming under increasing pressure not to um, lend against uh, you know, new building contracts outside of China. Um, was that something that was... That, that, that you, you, you perceived as an issue during your discussions to the extent that uh, you, know, you can share that with us? Well, let me put it this way. Of course, it's much easier to get Chinese lease financing from a state-owned leasing company if you place a new building order in China. I mean, most people here will know that there is certain leasing companies that actually working closely with particular yards are owned by these yards groups. So, uh, so I would say... But, it, it, it appears to me that there is still room, uh, you know, to discuss also um, uh, uh, other, there's, there's private leasing companies that definitely at the moment have uh, also a wider flexibility. Okay, that's helpful. Um, I, I started off by, by, you know, posing the question, where, you know, this, are the, uh, is the alternative source of financing, is this the meat in the sandwich between the, the, the banks and the, and the private equity? Nick, I'd like to I'd like to come back to you and sort of ask you to ad address that and to uh, maybe talk a little bit about, you know, the, the, um, you know, the ambitions that, that you have, for, you know, your relatively new business over the course, 
of the next uh, of the next five years and how you see that developing and 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 where you see that developing in terms of um, any particular sectors any particular geographical areas of focus that kind of thing sure uh, and of course yeah it, it, it is the meat in the sandwich for me it's the interesting bit um, the, the 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 gap that we've been uh, talking about and you know uh, as almost says you know I think that the secret to making this uh, this tier of capital work is is flexibility and to be constructive in discussing individual projects. Um, uh, unlike the bank panel before us, we're overwhelmingly here, I think, more asset-focused and project-focused than corporate um, lending. Um, but you know, as the, as the capital that we deploy <clears throat> um, gets more like structured equity, if we look at um, the potential for um, hold co loans at, uh, at, at corporate um, financings or um, at whether it be uh, prefs or structured equity of any sort of description then um, you know our mindset and the uh, the background of uh, my team and, and our investors um, the, the long history in shipping makes a big difference when you come to mm -hmm. those kind of transactions and at the other end, if we're, if we're looking at a, uh, a, a more straightforward um, uh, first mortgage loan, a unitranche loan to a small mid-cap um, owner with a small number of vessels who's not being served by the banks, that's traditional um, uh, lending. It's traditional loan finance with a mortgage um, on documentation that uh, everybody in this room will be very familiar with. Um, the way that we will survive and the way that we'll develop our business and grow our business through this cycle um, is to be responsive and to be flexible um, uh, at all times, keeping our eyes very, very close on the credit fundamentals that we're trying to build the business on. Thank you, Nick. Um, Marcus, can you talk um, uh, just for a, a minute or two about y your, uh, you, you know, what, where your sort of sweet deals are, what, what um, uh, so just so that you know, people here get a sense of what type of business Hellenic Bank is, you know, is, is looking to do. Yeah, um, we don't need a carpet structure in place, which is the first thing. Um, we focus basically on um, those ship owners who, are, who don't catch the attention of uh, international banks anymore. Um, small to medium-sized ship owners, owners that want to finance single vessel transactions where because of the crisis obviously the transaction values have also dropped. Uh, we don't have minimum ticket sizes like many other banks do have. Uh, we can do a transaction below 10 million, we can do a transaction below 20 million and uh, we, we don't require the corporate structure. Um, so our sweet spot I would say is in the region of 5 to 25 million. Um, we look at transactions primarily in Cyprus and Greece um, in segments of uh, dry bulk and tankers. Um, within those segments we have um, we have some sizes we prefer and some sizes we don't like that much because we also put a lot of emphasis on um, understanding the markets and uh, we understand that the trading patterns in shipping are constantly changing and that uh, even the best owners can, will lose in a, in a market that's declining where the demand for vessels or for this particular vessel size is not there anymore. We have seen it in container shipping with Panamax container vessels where seven years old vessels were 
surface web. So we put a lot of emphasis not only on, on the counterparty we work with, that the counterparty has a proven track report, but also the asset itself, that the asset um, has a demand in the market. Thank you, Marcus. Um, Omar, I, I just actually I just wanted to come to you, and um, uh, you, you talked a little bit about um, you know not being uh, focused on any particular segment of the industry, and you talked a little bit about the sort of broad range of credit uh, transactions that you um, that, that you do. Uh, one thing that I wanted to ask was to, to what extent do you see um, the you know the, the, the your competitors really in the New York market looking at shipping um, with a keener eye than maybe they've done in the past. Is that, is that something that's happening, or do you, do you think that, that your organization, organization is a bit of an out, outlier, you know, and looking at this opportunity in a different way? Sure, so I think, you know, as I mentioned, we have, we have a very broad investment mandate, and some of the deals that we've done, you know, if you go back two, three years ago, uh, you would have been discussing them on the, on the bank panel. Um, and then again, uh, you know, we, the next panel is private equity, and a lot of the deals that we've done um, would fit, you know, those type right. of organizations. So I think it's very difficult to say, hey, what exactly is private, what is private equity doing? Um, what is alternative finance doing? Um, and so forth. I think what we're ultimately doing and is really our being the banks, if that makes sense. I mean, we're doing business that banks, you know, used to be able to do that, to do in the, in, in the past. Uh, and I'm no longer able to do that because of, you know, because of regulations, because, uh, you know, they decided that they, some European banks decided they don't want to be in shipping anymore. Um, and I think just like, you know, just like our competitors in New York, the, the hedge funds, some of the private equity, I mean, at the end of the day, we're in the business of providing our investors the, um, the most attractive risk-adjusted return. And we feel that, you know, shipping now, given, again, given this twin the twin dislocation I mentioned, the fact that you know where we are in the cycle is a very interesting place to, to deploy capital to. That's great. Thank you. Thank you very much indeed. Um, I just want to sort of change uh, tack slightly and talk a little bit about um, um, the, the the world of new buildings. And um, a couple of us on this panel were, were did a similar a similar panel actually in London a couple of weeks ago, and new buildings came up and there were some quite strong views expressed. Um, so maybe Iraklis, I could I could start with you and maybe you could. You could talk a little bit about um, uh, Amsterdam's trade bank's appetite in, um, you know, in the, in the new building sector, whether it exists now or... Well, we already have some exposure right. to, uh, to one case, actually, which is very limited exposure. Um, are we open to look into new buildings? I would say in principle, yes, but the buts are quite a few, uh, right. a number, um, because uh, we need to justify ourselves why to do that. And as I said, uh, where we are the cycle is number one, but also other things about, you know, uh, whether there will be some employment on day one and what's the construction price and, and the likes of, of, you know, of that world. Uh, but basically, you know, we have looked into, as I said, into new buildings, so we are not afraid of new buildings. But we would like also to take a very cautious approach about, A, does the market need yeah. new buildings? Let's start with that. Let's, let's start with a fundamental question. Um, I, I don't think that any segment right now needs more new vessels, including dry bulk, because yes, the market has picked up, but it has picked up from a very, very low point in the cycle. So it's not like the case that we are back in 2007 or 2008, whereby we're, you know, our partners are making right. you know, piles of gas. We're not there yet, so I don't think we need any new buildings. 
but if you ask me about what are sweet spot, I will say any range between five and ten years old vessels. This is where we feel very comfortable to take some exposure in. Um, any other comments on new building finance? I'd like just to throw it out there to the to the to the panel. I to, think to, um, I would make two points there. I think there's um, one economic side to it. Um, in the current market, um, the economies for a second-hand vessel um, are simply better than for a new building. Um, the risk-reward, both in my belief for owners, but also for banks, is much better. And a second aspect, and uh, this was quickly mentioned before, um, I think the world has seen more than enough new buildings. Um, I think the crisis started because of new buildings, fueled by banks. Then after the crisis started, financial investors came in, so we had new building orders fueled by um, institutional money. Um, so this extended the crisis, and we shouldn't fall into the same trap by now going back to the shipyards and uh, both banks and financial investors financing those new buildings. I think what this market needs is to go back to its roots of being an industri industrial business of transporting goods from A to B, not being a place for speculation, and uh, especially not speculative orders. I think um, this, this market needs to, be, uh, needs to have a cooling off period for some time um, to, to rebalance supply and demand. I think one other aspect is that we have seen it in the, in the tanker markets in the last years, where in, I remember back in 2012, the order books were down to 4 5%, which one could even say is low. Um, so companies came fueled by institutional money, and uh, out of the sudden, the order books jumped to 15 20% again. This delayed the market recovery. And I'm a bit afraid that we see the same in dry bulk now, because we see ship owners going to China, placing orders, and that in combination with the fact that um, there's a move of ship finance from the west to the east. And we were talking, we were hearing about um, Chinese leasing houses. We were talking about hearing about um, Chinese banks. And those guys have a different motivation. They need to, to keep their shipyards employed. And this is one of the biggest risks. Also risk there in my mind is why we all should keep away from new building orders is the regulatory aspects. We have changes in... Um, environmental regulation. Um, I think, at least, I don't know how in the end it will exactly look like. I think um, there were a few bankruptcies of ballast water management uh, system manufacturers because, uh, in the end, um, what they pr promised to provide was not what they provided. Um, there's uh, uncertainty around uh, sulfur emission, whether there will be scrubbers, whether there won't be the need for scrubbers, whether there will be sufficient low sulfur fuel available or not. So all those risks add to it that I think it makes it very unattractive, both for financial investors but also banks, and I'm, I'm representing a bank, to provide new building finance today. But at the end of the day, you know, the market, the market will decide. There's nobody on this panel or, or even in this room is going to control what remains a very, very fragmented market. It's very fragmented on both the demand side and the supply side individual equity investors will make their own judgment as to whether or not they think that the time is right to, to go back to the shipyards. The shipyards will make their own decisions around what the price is. Um, uh, and, you know, if, if it makes sense for us on a project-by-project -project basis, then we'll look at those deals. But it will be done on a project basis and not through a, any great sort of uh, 
philosophical um, uh, uh, idea as to whether it's uh, on the whole a, a good or a bad idea. I do agree with you that on the whole we see we tend to see better value in the older vessels. Um, for us, that's, that's largely because the greatest amount of liquidity that remains in the market is against those new builds. Um, so there's a greater need for our capital in, uh, in those older vessels. We will look at those older vessels. We will look at um, uh, 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 depreciated values out to 20 years plus um, around what we still believe to be the, uh, the economic life of those assets. Uh, we're not driven by policies that tell us that we've got to be fully out of these deals by the age of 12 or 13 or 15 or 18. Um, but at the end of the day, the new build market's not going to go away and the fragmentation isn't going to disappear anytime soon either. Helpful. Thank you, Nick. Uh, Axel. I'd like yeah, on the, I'm going to say, I, I hate you to know these digital discussions, new buildings, yes or no. I think as a matter of fact, we will always see a certain degree of new building activity. One potential driver of new building activity, to my mind, will be the tightening environmental uh, regulation. Uh, that certain clients you know, that have cargo will also uh, firmly require these ships. Um, you know, there, there's certain parties that reputational-wise just want to have top modern green ships, and, and they're prepared to pay for that, and then these ships uh, will get ordered and built. So um, I think, you know, you need to be out there and, and, and screen the market and, and, and see what is the need. And, you know, in certain years there will be more new building activity. In certain years there will be less. But let's not forget, I mean, um, yes, we had extremely packed order books acquired a few years ago, but um, it's getting lower at the moment. The global economy um, is still um, expanding. Um, so I would say, you know, if, if as a ship owner you make a strategy today and you look three years ahead and um, you're not too pessimistic about the outlook in the world economy, it's also you know, wise to look at uh, new buildings and how you would get these new buildings uh, financed. Thank you, Axel. Sure, I, I feel that I, I need to chime yeah. in. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I was, give my yeah. view. So I, I was think, coming to you. I was coming. <laughs> I think that, you know, I think that personally, I don't think it's my place to sit here and tell, you know, irrespective of what the, the view on, on what, um, you know, more new building will do to the industry, it's not my place to sit here and tell you what to do. I mean, you're going to, you know, build ships if you think it makes sense uh, from just from a return perspective. But, you know, a year and a half ago, um, five-year-old, the typical five-year-old dry bulk was trading at 50% discount to, to new building price, and nobody went and, and, and ordered new vessels. But again, this is not, it's something, a decision that, that the people in this room need to make, uh, not, not, you know, not the people here on this panel. And I, I'm going to quote Robert Bugbian uh, three years ago, he was sitting in a panel, uh, Capital Link panel in New York, and I think what he said is that um, shipping is not a team sport. And, and each, one, each one of you need to make the, the right decision for, for their own business. Yes. Oh. On that note, we, we're, we're heading um, into the last few minutes, actually. Um, and um, I, I think I'll throw it open for questions now. So if anybody has any questions for any of the panelists, um, now is the time to, to raise them. I think it's been you know, an, an, a very interesting um, cross-section of views from different, um, you know, different ins institutions, different organizations. Um, you know, stepping into stepping into the market at, um, at at this very challenging time for for capital raising and for ship finance generally. So, if anybody has um, a question or a comment, please feel free. A flippant one. 
He's <laughs> <laughs> obviously a rugby man. <laughs> I'm not sure how to answer that. <laughs> Good. Thank you very much indeed, ladies. Sorry, there is one. I'm sorry, just one. Gentlemen. Please, after you, you heard the question. Since, um, yeah. sitting next to you. <laughs> um, first of all, I think there is, needs to be made a differentiation because there are two banks across the panel, um, which of course have a different approach to, to financing. Um, if I can comment only about you know, the business that I represent here, um, there is not a magic number about how much we need to, you know, basically to price every single deal. Each deal has its own merits and we take that view and we actually try to be competitive with it and price it fairly because I think that's the key word, price fair um, representation of the risk that we are taking. Now, let me give an example to make things a bit easier. Um, and I'll go back to what we did last year in ATB of financing some dry bulks. Um, yes, we, the numbers that we presented to some of the existing groups that had track records for many decades seemed on the high end. And of course, there were questions about that. But since then, and while we position ourselves at that particular point in time, at the most difficult point in time, and if I compare when we enter into now, the values of the, of the investment that we have done have actually doubled. So whatever is the, one might be perceived as extra margin, the 2%, the 3%, whatever is the number, the magic number, everything is relative. Because if we indeed support our clients, at the moment where they need the greatest support, and we have done it in a very concrete manner, then the 2% is negligible. It's peanuts in the bigger scheme of things. Um, and that's just an example to, to make a point of, you know, the, basically our approach to shipping would like just to become very relevant. Thank you, Rashi. Does anybody else want to, want to respond? I mean, I, I could take that. I, you know, I think that the, Obviously, there is, a, there is a spread between what banks on the, on the previous panel, um, how they price their deals, and, and between some of the other banks uh, here. Um, but I think that there is, a, there is additional value that you know, some of the non-banks provide here. And I mentioned, you know, if it's a time crunch, if it's more leverage and, um, or, or a sector that they're not able to, uh, to leverage to just given regulation. Um, I mean, I can tell you that we had, you know, one of the deals that we've done, we had a ship owner that came to us was uh, six months ago, was very bullish on capes and, um, and wanted to, you know, wanted to lever up to the cycle. And, and for, from where he stood, it was either I'm going to buy one or two vessels, all, all equity, or, or you know, or, or uh, I'm going to buy five or six vessels mm. with leverage. And, and so we, we, you know, we provide a way to leverage that conviction. And if, you know, if you believe in that conviction, if you believe the market is going to increase, then, you know, whatever irrespective of our cost, I mean, you'll, the deal will be good. And I'll just conclude by saying that, you know, for us, uh, we spend a lot of time structuring and thinking about, uh, about the structure we put in place. And, and the bottom line is that a deal works if both, you know, both sides make money. Yeah, yeah. I think that's exactly right. I mean, look, I mean, there, is, there is no single price. Our pricing is risk-adjusted. I believe it's rational. And it sits somewhere between what first mortgage lenders will do for 50% LTV and what equity will do for 100 and we're somewhere in the middle if we're 
less expensive than the equity, then there's a very interesting conversation to be had. Okay, well, look, on that note, I think we are now out of time. So I'd like to thank each of you very much indeed for your contributions. Thanks very much indeed for your um, patience and um, enjoy the rest of the afternoon. Thank you. I think that's always a bit silly.